You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Brianna Kearney. She is co-founder at Crewbloom. We're going to talk to her about the work that they do helping people find talent. I think in service companies, I think the one thing we've all learned is that if you want to scale a service company, you got to figure out how to find people. You got to find the right talent. And that can be a challenge, uh, really, whatever size you are. You know, finding the right people, getting them into the right seats is one of the primary tasks for scaling a business, scaling a service company. And we're going to talk to Brianna about the work that they do, the experiences they've had. Hopefully, you know, get a couple insights, things that people can use to find some ways of um, you know, expanding their talent network, finding new, better talent, helping them grow and scale their business. A critical task for, for many of the listeners here. So with that, Brianna, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So before we kind of dig into the whole kind of talent conundrum and, and how you solve the talent problems that people are having these days, give us a little background. How did you get into the space? What was your professional experience? Give us the backstory. Yeah. So born and raised in Minnesota, after finishing business school, came out to New York, um, worked at a small startup before um, moving to Amazon. Um, and it was there that the seed was kind of planted that um, folks offshore and in, in more affordable economies was a, a significant value and just really looked around my colleagues and cohorts and wasn't able to find a, a co-founder. So I went to Asia and spent a year there and um, got to work and, and, and met who I'm working alongside today. Yeah. And so how did that play? I mean, why, why start the company? What was the, what was the real kind of challenge that you saw in the market around talent? And how did you see yourselves being able to solve that? Yeah. So talent is just expensive. I think spending so much time in Asia, it's just, um, I mean, your, your dollar goes so much farther. I spent a, a large bit of time in India. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, for lack of better terms, I was rich when it came to rupees. And so <laughs> I, I think that I really just got to work kind of trying to understand why big companies were quote global and and small to mid-sized enterprises weren't i mean it's just their ability to to reach out and and to attract and, and retain global talent so yeah just the, the seed was planted when when i was at amazon yeah and how i mean i guess what's your kind of take on the world in general the world of business the world of technology communications how has the evolution of that over the last you know five ten years really impacted this kind of global marketplace for talent? Yeah, great question. So we've had a remote work model since inception. So the space that we're playing in um, goes up and competes against call centers. Um, Mm -hmm. Call centers are, for lack of a better term, factory meat farming on a human scale. So we... Sorry, the image in my mind just got very uh, graphic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, but we've all called a bank, an airline. We're connected with someone yeah. outside the U.S. And it just sucked, right? They um, yeah. really struggle with a number of things. And I, I don't think it's any fault to the talent. I think it's it's the industry. But now when we look at um, being in, in 2021 and kind of what humanity has faced over the past year in particular, we can see the remote work model being effective. And so for us, having a remote work model empowered us to pay livable wages because mm-hmm. regardless of where I live, I want to not only pay my bills, but send my kids to college and go on a vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just really optimistic that COVID has opened folks' minds to having remote workers um, all over the globe. And Crewbloom helps them leverage folks because it's a little bit challenging if, if you've never done so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I've, I've you know talked to a few people about the effect of the pandemic on, you know, certainly work from home, but really kind of remote employees, you know, finding freelance talent, you know, either regionally or globally. And, you know, there's always been or sort of this is the on this discussion of, you know, a snapback, right? Like, you know, once this thing is over, if it's over, <laughs> you know, people will go back to the way it was or towards the way it was. I mean, Gus, what's your sense of what has permanently changed in terms of, you know, either the types of roles or the types of models that, you know, at this point, people are going to continue to pursue regardless of, you know, the pandemic kind of impact on on travel and being able to hire people and stuff like that? Yeah, good question. So I think that people have completely overcome this, um, I guess, for lack of better terms, antiquated model of face-to-face interviews. I think that work-life balance has been Easy. It's easier for folks when when we're working home based, but also talent that really loves and cares about what they do, and and if you secure good talent, right, they can work anywhere at, at any time. So I believe that one of the benefits of COVID, I think it just kind of pushed us to the the inevitable in this um, mindset and mentality that securing um, great talent is a massive competitive advantage, and those folks aren't always in your backyard. Yeah. And, um, you know, as you looked at the, the, the world of, you know, potential roles and types of talents that you could focus on, how did you kind of analyze the situation? Where did you see the real opportunity and, and where have you chosen to focus in terms of sort of the skill sets or the types of roles that you're looking to help people fill? Yeah, so the bread and butter of our business is sales and support. Um, we have folks that are setting appointments and answering phones and doing kind of a more executive assistant role as well. But I would say the, the bread and butter of what we're doing is sales and support focused. And the reason we, we chose that is just because it's a team-based opportunity. So there's more revenue there. And those so- sorts of roles are really dependent on exceptional communication skills. They're highly relational. So that's kind of the direction we took. I guess technically the kind of outsourcing, I guess, is thought of as, as highly technical. We just don't build code or draft product in particular, just as a non-technical co-founder, it's hard to vet those folks. Yeah. I mean, what, when you decide to focus on sales, like who typically needs these kind of roles or, or who is your core sort of target customer when it comes to, you know, helping helping companies find sales talent? Yeah, great, great question. So our client partners in, in the industries and, and verticals that we're serving is is quite varied. I would say the common denominator is that they all need talent. They have a process in place. They kind of know what works and what doesn't. But the, the, the beautiful thing is that all businesses need to be sold and, and presented in a, in a way that's going to drive revenue. And so um, we feel pretty confident that we're able to help any organization, regardless of vertical, so long as they kind of know what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. 
And are there particular, I mean, given the fact that, well, so in, in terms of the people that you are placing, the people that, the, the town that you help find for folks, generally, where are they located? What's your strategy? Or where, where are you sourcing from? How have you focused? I guess, what's your, your core employee <laughs> strategy? Everyone's brought on as a W8BEN contractor. We have folks today right. in, in 14 countries. We just recently launched South Africa, a great market, native English speakers there. The majority of folks are, are in the Philippines, but we also have bilingual agents in Central and South America. As we continue to see more Spanish folks living in the U.S., that's been a, a pretty significant demand on, on the client side. So, um, yeah, that's that's where people are, are doing their work. Yeah. And what have you noticed around that? I mean, I just I've, I've seen kind of the, the labor market shift, you know, around. I mean, I've, I've spent a long time in technology and, you know, we saw technology go from, you know, India and Eastern Europe to, you know, South America became very big in technology, the Philippines. What have you noticed in terms of kind of the shift in the labor market, either in terms of skill sets or in terms of, you know, the local economies changing and the, the rate of those of that talent sort of shifting and potentially driving you in and out of various regions? I have spent a ton of time on the Indian subcontinent. I, I think the world yeah. of, of the talent there, and it's so culturally vibrant. It's um, really, really my favorite place on earth. But I think that their technical abilities are unmatched. Um, I would say that their communication abilities aren't, aren't as good as a market like the Philippines, Indonesia, and Malaysia. These are exciting markets. Ironically, Pakistan is a significantly emerging market, really, really affordable region sources there. Um, then when we look at Central and South America, I mean, it's just an, a new frontier, truly. So we look at a place like Mexico that just has immaculate resources, not quite as affordable as Asia, mm -hmm. um, but really good talent there. We have folks in Venezuela, the Dominican, Peru, Argentina, and then South Africa is is kind of the our, our new baby, so to speak, just mm -hmm. be beating yeah. their, their native English speakers there. It's, it's really a, a really great opportunity. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious if you, in, in kind of your strategy development, you know, spent time in these countries or I guess what, how, what have you done to kind of really understand the, the nature of the talent, what kind of roles or, or like how to find the right people and, and what kind of skills they, they possess and, you know, both hard skills, soft skills. Give me a little bit of uh, how you've discovered these things. Yeah. So I myself before COVID was really fortunate to spend a ton of time in, in Asia. Um, <laughs> now, obviously, after um, five years of business, I know godchildren in the Philippines. And so I'm there, <laughs> give or take four to six times a year. Co-founder is there. It's just a settled by Spain. And so they speak a, a language that's, I mean, Tagalog is, uses um, English characters, which is is helpful. Um, and they're just really aligned to Western culture because there's this element of relational selling, right? I want to buy from someone who understands me. Um, and so when we launched, actually, we partnered with co-working spaces because they had young, adaptable, innovative talent that kind of spoke the, the ecosystem language, so to speak. Um, but now we have a, a full team of um, recruiters and sourcers and, and onboarding folks that kind of help oversee that the talent process. Yeah. And are you, so the, the people, the resources that you're sourcing, are these, I guess, what, what kind of development, you know, training, you know, materials, equipment, technology, are you providing them to, to enable them to kind of be placed with these companies? And, and how much are, are you just finding people that have all this stuff already and kind of ready to go? So we're actually building a product called Crew Hub that will empower our, our client partners to have full visibility into all of our talent. So it's kind of like a Tinder methodology for talent. For 
talent selection. So the, the swipe will be in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and there we'll have a, a full profile outline, not only highlighting their professional accomplishments, but what they do in their free time, their family, um, their interests and passions. And then we'll also have um, a video introduction. But for us, there's a, a significant amount of requirements, right? So we have to source and heat map internet connectivity. We don't source talent from highly provincial regions just because the yeah. connectivity is not as um, reliable. They have to have a primary and backup of both powers or all three power supplies, devices, and then and then internet. Yeah, it seems like that that infrastructure piece is because there's a bit of an investment in that. Whether whether you're doing that or whether you're re, you know requiring your talent to do that. Um, I'm curious in terms of how you go about finding your customers. I, I guess the first question is: Do you eat your own dog food? <laughs> like, do, do you use your own people to help you sell your services to companies? Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, how do you do that? Like, what, what's a typical sales process for you when you're, you know, targeting companies, developing leads, closing deals? How, how do you? What does that process look like for a company? Yeah, so we um, have a. Um, there's three ways for us to generate accounts. One is through our affiliate and referral um, program. So clients that have used Crewbloom believe in what we're doing and, and share with their network. We also have a technical marketing team, obviously, trying to drive things in um, and opportunities on, on the inbound side. So that would just be a, a cold website lead. And then we have a sales team. Um, so there's a sales ops team that goes out and sources opportunities and, and leads and qualifies and scores them. Then we have BDMs um, who reach out and set appointments. And then we have a, a team that conducts and executes the demo and, and brings that to close. Got it, got it. And where have you found the most traction? I mean, if, if you look at your portfolio of customers, any particular patterns that you've seen in terms of size of companies, types of companies, you know, industries, you know, what, what they're selling, how they're selling things? Yeah, so I think that for us, um, SaaS and, and technology has been a, a big piece for us. Um, but then we look at insurance providers and law firms and dental offices and home services. I mean, there's so many companies that are in need of of, of sales and support talent to, to run their business. I would say that the main common denominator is that they all aren't um, in the launch phase. So when we have two highly technical founders that just started their startup, that's where we tend to fall short. If you've been in business for five years, you know your value proposition, you mm-hmm. have a, a lead process in place, we're going to come in and be really successful there. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you've noticed uh, that leads to a successful client relationship in terms of, you know, culture, materials, structure? I mean, uh, what what are indicators for you that someone is going to, you know, be a successful client that you're going to be able to be able to create a lot of value for them? So I think our most successful clients are those who value people they serve their their clients in, in a way that really values relationships. Before COVID, we were rejecting right around ninety eight percent of folks. Today, it's well over ninety nine. So my my talent is is really hungry and driven and, and highly relational. And so I would say that if a business really values their their customers and and clients and and have a, a process in place that's human centric and and they treat their employees well, we'll come in and, and be really successful there. We also have a client success team that oversees the partnerships, so they work alongside. <laughs> the leadership team implementing systems and um, the technologies and the VoIPs um, that are required to, to make Crewbloom successful. Mm-hmm. And how, I guess, how much consulting do you do? Like when you come in with a client and you kind of see how they're operating, how, 
how much are you kind of suggesting maybe different ways of doing things or how to structure the sales process or how to structure a pitch or developing a demo? What I guess, how much work do you do to actually develop a successful sales process for the company? Our bread and butter is human capital and in HR and, and recruiting. So um, for me to come into a an HVAC supplier and to um, <laughs> act as if I'm going to be more qualified to um, cement their ex- outbound sales process than the leadership team there, I think would be quite sophomoric and um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, for, for lack of better terms, just just stupid. We, yeah. we know what we do and we do it well, but of course we're there to champion the business in any way that we can. And so if we see ways to optimize that process, we're always going to share them. But cementing what that process looks like is is not really our strategy. Yeah. Any kind of things that you've learned, strategies as you kind of work with the company and sort of standardize that sales process, things that listeners might be able to learn from in terms of how to how to make a sales process effective and standardized and scalable around, um, you know, when figuring out how am I going to bring in a new team to actually amp this up and, and uh, scale the, the selling process? I think that like myself, for example, um, when I sold at, at Amazon, I I was being compensated as a, I mean, we were paying entry level kids six figure salaries. Yeah. Having top performing salespeople onshore here in the US is incredibly costly. And sometimes that's required, right? There's some highly technical sales, outside sales, highly relational sales that require someone to be on the ground. However, when we look at that person's workload and we say what tasks are redundant or highly replicable, I I would say 100% of the time, a way that we can work in tandem with an offshore resource to really streamline and empower that that costly resource to do what they do best, which is selling and, and driving revenue and closing sales. So I would say if I am looking to build a, a sales team, I would say what is required to be done here onshore and what is not and everything that's not should be done elsewhere because it's just so much more affordable. Yeah, I always I always call that the rock star strategy. Right? We want to we want to set up have a have a team that sets up the stage, tests the mics, gets the, gets the lights, gets the audience in and then you come on stage, do your thing leave and then everyone else breaks it down and transports it to the next show, right? Like you'd really want to maximize or, or, you know, focus that critical resource to just doing that thing that, that only they can do that delivers that exceptionally high value. And then everything else you can offload, you know, find other people to do it. Of course. Yeah. I love that. The rockstar strategy is so good. Yeah. Have you seen a shift in, I guess the, the, who is really looking for outside sales and support? I mean, I, I guess over the last couple of years of, as you know, the economies have shifted, obviously with COVID, who has been quick to see the opportunity or take advantage of the strategy, you know, any industries or, or folks that, you know, types of companies or types of industries? Um, yeah. So again, just being really, really careful and, and cautious as I share that, that COVID has been beneficial to us. It's been yeah. um, a massive, massive disaster for humanity at large, but I'm optimistic we're going to come out stronger. And, and that being said, we, we've we seen an incredible surge in on the sure. Yeah, so about yeah. F- four times the amount of inbound leads. We doubled revenue last year, and the applicants is even more significant, so about six to seven times what we were getting pre-COVID, yeah. yeah. In terms of the, the industries that I think have the most opportunity, obviously we look at healthcare needing to really focus um, mm-hmm. and, and evolve that, that practice. Um, that's a significant opportunity for us. We just closed a, a a really cool dentech company that's just doing really awesome stuff in the dental space. But I would say that all organizations were impacted in in some way and, and needed to evolve. So I think the the future is pretty bright. 
Yeah, yeah. I certainly feel like there's there's been several industries that the the shift in how they do business has enabled them to take advantage of this a lot of these resources and uh, sort of opportunities. And I've I've seen yeah some some pretty massive changes in how they do business just because of you know taking advantage of this. I'm curious on the technology side. And you, you mentioned you know the need to make sure that people have the computers and the power and the internet connections. Are you providing or what have you seen in terms of actual technologies, uh, you know, software, communications, project management, you know, if there's interesting things from a online demonstration, video meetings, I mean, give us some insights on, on some of the technology advances or things that you've seen in the market that have really enabled this kind of remote selling and sales management process. Yeah. So we look at a number of, of tools and, and re- I mean, bread and butter, like Slack and Skype and, mm-hmm. um, and those sorts of, of folks. Then we look at a, a task mm-hmm. management solution, Monday, Task Us, Asana, Basecamp. These are all really, really great places to start, kind of oversee that team and to really have an understanding. We do a lot with um, voice um, follow-ups. So actually, Venly is is one of our client partners. So I'll just give them a shout out. Sure. Um, so we can use a, a Venly recording to put a text message in the inbox of a, of a leader prospect after that initial touch is made. And it's it's really powerful. So yeah, there's just so much. When we look at the VoIP and, and the voice over IP um, requirement, that's going to give us a local US phone number and empower um, calls to be made from anywhere in the world. Our preferred provider is Air call. I think their interface is, is the best. They have a lot with Zapier and automations. Ring Central is kind of the, the dinosaur in the space, however, and, and does a great job as well. So mm-hmm. I think there's a, so many um, companies coming up with a lot of really, really cool platforms and, and products and technologies to make it easier for us all. Yeah. If you were, uh, were going to develop a new product for yourselves, what would it be? What, it, what it, what's the gap or what, what's the thing that hasn't really been solved yet for this? Great question. It's language skills. So comms skills. So, um, I mean, I, I, mean I, I know that you're late, but it's just um, being, being a, a founder at a certain point is a, a lot of work. And we're building a, um, that, that product that's going to automate the applicant screening process for us. So today it's quite manual. It's a five-step interview process because, again, we are ruthless when it comes to the caliber of talent yeah. we'll accept. And so we need to um, find a way to evaluate talent in an automated way that's not human-dependent. Um, and so we're building that. It's going to be, obviously, Watson and some machine learning and AI elements to it. But having a, a language assessment that's fully comprehensive um, mm-hmm. Would would be a, a a great win for us, but um, we I guess we'll we'll work to build it until that comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm always fascinated on you know at, when when people see a need, like they're in a business and they see a need and then develop a solution around it, and then then that becomes the business. You know, pivoting into you know a service company, pivoting into a product company. I've seen that happen again and again. And and where do you see? I mean, as you look at the uh, kind of talent networks uh, that you have, like where are you finding folks? Like how are you actually finding these folks? It sounds like you're getting a lot of applications, but are they is this coming through word of mouth? Is are you advertising for this? Is this you know your employees that refer friends and family? Like what's actually creating the inflow of talent for you? Social media is great for us, and and our contractor referral programs really really strong and um, something that's been really profitable for us. The talent piece is the most important because if I don't have good talent to fill in the roles, um, we fall short. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to my recruitment team. They're impeccable yeah. and immaculate. They work re- like relentlessly so hard. But then we also do have an ad spend on, on the technical marketing side and in a, to our advantage the applicant markets are far more affordable when we look at our, our ad spend budget than, than onshore in the US so we're, we're definitely placing ads and um, investing in, in those applicants coming through yeah 
And and I mean, you mentioned that you, it's a fairly manual or, or human centered process right now. What are the some of the things you're doing? I mean, you mentioned the the language skills. How do you actually evaluate some of the technical skills, language skills, soft skills? What's the uh, course that you put people through? The obstacle course you put people through to see if they can kind of pass pass the test to get to the final stages of your interviews? Yeah, so um, it varies for for every role. So we look at a, a skills assessment. Um, we look at environmental and, and situational evaluations and screens. Screenings. That's going to be more soft skill focused, core value alignment. So we have seven company core values that define us and we live and breathe by. So they have to align to those. We look at then just obviously a, a managerial um, interview, which is professional writing, responsiveness, professional instinct execution. We look at social engagement. So how do you leverage social platforms to not only close business and drive revenue for the client you're placed with, but also are you leveraging social media to, to brand yourself in a way that's favorable and advantageous? Um, so there's a number of different evaluations and screenings that we do. But I mean, for lack of a better term, that's our, our secret sauce and something I think we've done well since since day one. And, and my co-founder gets the recognition for that. Yeah, I- Excellent. When you when you put uh, one of your folks onto an account working with a company, one of your clients, is there a process for cultural fit that way too? Because I always find that, I mean, I, I, having ran a, a technology consulting company for many, many years, there was always, we had our core values, right? Like, th- does it fit with us? But then there's always the question of, well, does it fit with the client they're going to work with? And how, I guess, how much do you, you know, strategize around that? Is there a process for you to say, hey, look, you know, this person might be better on this client than this person, not from a skill, but really from a core value or a cultural fit point of view? And I think it's a really, really important piece of the puzzle. When we look at our competition, I, I guess technically they're not directly competing against us, Fiverr and Upwork. These are project-based temporary contractual mm-hmm. platforms. We need to find someone that not only is going to kill it on the KPIs and requirements of the role, but just that you like working alongside, right? Like I, we just want a team member that if they're going to be with us for three to five years, we just want to dig working alongside them. Yeah. And the metric that we obsess over, I would say the most is attrition. It's a really costly piece of, of the space that we're working in. When I was at Amazon, for example, the life expectancy of an Amazonian was seven and a half months and we couldn't um, increase that that metric once they were promoted to Amazon they'd go to a competing call center and get 10 more rupees an hour and God love them for doing so right for us we've implemented a, a model that's what we consider a two for one training so if you pay to train two agents I will pay for you to take four for the first two weeks so that at the end of two weeks you can take your pick of the litter and that's really helped us to overcome attrition we have the lowest attrition rates in the industry oh fascinating and how did you come up with that strategy like what was like what, what was the thinking what was the brainstorming session that you had say hey maybe maybe this deal would work yeah, so I think that just over time you're um, forced to really be be real with yourself, and um, unfortunately, our space. I mean, I, as much as I, I believe in it, and I I think it's the only way to scale an organization, we do suffer from attrition, and, and it's just like online dating, right? If you're on Tinder, I mean, I I have t- however many m- new guys in in the um, in the pipeline, and it's somewhat the same in in the offshoring space, in particular in the remote ecosystem, because I just spent you know, a month applying for remote jobs. I interviewed with three companies and I just saw a new post on Craigslist. And so 
and we really have to work hard to kind of get um, um, in engagement and an opportunity quickly. And so for us, we had to look and, and really evaluate um, attrition metrics. It was within the first year that we implemented this model, just doing whatever it took to overcome that. And in the employee ecosystem and environment in the U.S., that's not legal, but we're WAPN <laughs> contractors. And so we, we can do that. And we believe strongly it pays off not only for the clients, but the contractors as well. I want to find them work. They love showing up to every day. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if someone listening here is uh, curious to kind of, you know, think about this model, what are some of the things you'd suggest they, you know, do, you know, questions they should ask themselves, actions they can take to start investigating, you know, whether this could be a good strategy for them? Yeah. So of course, just um, reach out um, to me. I'm happy to help. And again, just to have a chat with anyone who's interested. Again, even if it doesn't make sense for us to work together, I'm just here to, to champion your audience in any way I can. I, I mean, we're all in the WABEN environment. And so being a provider of, of a WABEN global subcontractor is a bit litigious. It's a bit sticky, but I, I think most accountants could help kind of overcome that conversation. And I I would really explore maybe even giving it a shot on Fiverr or Upwork, kind of one of those short-term platforms and, and see if you can make a go of it. Again, our talent is, is much better and, and I'd be happy to have that conversation. But I, I think a lot of companies don't leverage this because it is challenging and it is difficult to find. I mean, how would you go about finding Finding folks in, in the Philippines or, yeah. or or Mexico, it's it's tough. But there's a, a number of partners out there to help you guys do that. Yeah, that's very helpful. Brianna, if people want to find out more about you, about the business, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah, so um, our website is crewbloom.com, C-R-E-W-B-L-O-O-M. Um, social media, um, crewbloom. And then, um, again, my name is Brianna Carney, so you can email me at Brianna, B-R-I-A-N-N-A, at crewbloom.com. I'm always here to help. Thank you so much, Fabiana. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time today. The pleasure is mine. Thanks so much, Bruce. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.